Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you're here to worship with us. Would you write something in the comments so we know who is with us? Uh, I don't know. I, when I walked in here this morning, it looked like Jay has taken the microphone from the Grand Old Opry. It's amazing. Cool microphone, Jay. So write something in the comments about that, too, so we know who's with us. Do you know about our journey groups that we have? There's a, a class at 10 o'clock today with Ken Casey and George Vardner leading it. That's an awesome class. Another Sunday school class at 10 a.m. online with Mark Condra and Eric Wright. If you want to join one of these, write something in the comments. We'll help set you up with it. Uh, Thursday at 7 a.m., men at the well meet on, at, on Zoom. They get up at 7 a.m. to do that. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? I don't go to that class just because of the time slot. Uh, youth and kids are back in person on Wednesday nights. The youth are out in the courtyard, children in the green space. We spread out uh, with social distancing, have a lot of fun. Uh, and Pastor Sam, lastly, has a Bible study on Wednesday night. It's pretty amazing. I think it's the best online Bible study of all time. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, uh, this morning we ask that you will help us uh, to focus and to um, focus our minds, our hearts, our energy on you, God. And we pray that we will draw closer to you during this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out
Good morning. I'm so glad that you're worshiping with us today and celebration worship here at Gadsden First United Methodist Church. I want to say a big howdy hello to the praise band. They are awesome every week and, and we really appreciate what they're doing. I just have one request. Next time we bring that microphone, we've got to sing uh, Man of Constant Sorrows because I've been thinking about, oh brother, where art thou ever since I've been looking at that thing. Um, I hope that you're having a good Sunday morning so far, and I hope that you are um, praying for us. We need your prayers, and I hope that you are also lifting one another up and supporting one another in prayers. And anytime that you can help out, anytime that you can, you know, run an errand for a neighbor who is, who is homebound, anytime you can do like that, we are being the church uh, in every single way that we can right now and doing the best we can. So. We need your continued support. We always ask you, and we always need it. So if you can give, give online. If you can give, uh, drop it in the mail, drop it by the church. We, we continue to need your prayers and your support and your gifts. Uh, and you need to be generous. You know, God needs you to tithe, but you need to tithe uh, because it does something spiritually in your, in your life. I want to ask you to go with me now to the Lord in prayer. If you have a prayer request you'd like to send, you can email it to uh, fumc at fumcgadston.org um, and then or put it in the comment line if you don't mind everybody seeing it, but we want to continue to pray for you. Join me now as we pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this day, this beautiful day that you've made for us. We thank you for the beautiful opportunity we have to worship to, from our hearts, Lord, give you the praise and the worship that you are due. Thank you for these wonderful songs, for the people who wrote them years ago, and for the way they still continue to touch our hearts and enrich our lives. Thank you for everyone on the praise team who gives their time and their talents to help lead us in worship. And even though we're scattered around, Lord, all over the place today, we're still connected we're connected to, by the heart, Lord, because our hearts desire to worship you in spirit and in truth. We know, Lord, we have our needs. We know, Lord, we need forgiveness and we need healing. We know we need encouragement. And, Lord, people around the world are, are struggling and people that are near and dear to our hearts and close to us are struggling. And we know that you are with us in our struggle. And we're thankful for that. We ask that you would prepare our hearts to worship today, that you would receive our tithes and offerings and use them for your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I come to the garden.
We are finishing up our sermon series on reset for the month of August. I think August has been a good time to think about resetting some things, resetting our priorities, you know, resetting our attitude. Um, today we're going to talk about resetting our expectations to finish out this series, and we're starting a brand new sermon series next week in the month of September we're going to start a series called Pop Verses. And what that is is verses that have become so popular that they've become a part of pop culture. I mean, these are verses that athletes put on the little black things they put underneath their eyes or maybe that people put on little refrigerator magnets and put up on their refrigerator. Just that one verse, right? because they are so popular and people know them so well but we're going to look at them in the context and really try to hear what they are really meaning to say to us pop verses so tell your friends tell your neighbors and and join us as we start a brand new series next week in the month of September but today we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 through 15 and I encourage you to follow along with me or just listen as I read the story about Moses and the burning bush and as we talk about resetting our expectations. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mount of, mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush he looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see what, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then God said, I have observed the misery of the people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, 
and the Hittites, the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, You shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let me ask you, have you ever gone to a steak restaurant and maybe you ordered your favorite cut of steak and maybe you ordered it, say, medium rare, and you were expecting it to be just perfect when you got it at the table and instead of medium rare, it was well done? Or maybe, you know, vice versa. Have you, have you ever asked your teenage kids in the morning before you left the house to make sure they cleaned up the kitchen, kitchen and did all those dirty dishes and then when you got home in the evening, you found that the kitchen was still a mess and the dishes were still piled in the sink. Now, I'm not talking about anybody in particular. Has that ever happened to you? Or let's say you're taking a trip and you're going down some, uh, let's just hypothetically say, Interstate 65. And because of a construction project or because of a jackknifed 18-wheeler it takes you twice as long to get to where you're going as you thought it was going to take. One more question. Have you ever done all kinds of exercise? Maybe you even got one of those uh, tapes or, or videos, uh, sweating to the oldies or anything like that, and you've been working and working and you feel so confident, and you get on those scales, and the numbers are exactly like they were the week before. Maybe even you went up a pound. Has that ever happened to you? Can I get an amen online? Can you type something in there? I want to say that's happened. All four of those things have happened to me. All four of those things have been something that I have expected one thing and I have gotten something else. And what I've had to do is reset. I had to reset my expectations. Now, it's not new with just us. Um, resetting expectations is as old as Moses' toes, as the old saying goes. I mean, just think about the timeline in Moses' life and how much, how, how much he had to reset his expectations. Moses was born during a time uh, of, of great upheaval. The, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and the Pharaoh felt threatened 
by the growing number of Israelites. And so he, he put forth a decree that all the Hebrew baby boys had to be thrown into the Nile River. So technically, Moses' mother kept the proclamation. She put her son Moses in the Nile River, except that she put him in a little basket boat. And she got his older sister Miriam to follow and watch and see what happened to Moses along the way. So Pharaoh's daughter just happens to be going down to the Nile to bathe with all of her attendants and everything. And she sees the basket over among the reeds. And she sends one of her attendants down to bring the basket up out of the Nile because she realizes there is a baby in there, but... You know, technically, her dad just said to throw the babies in to the river. He didn't say that you couldn't pull them out once they were thrown in. So that's what she did. And about this time, she must have been thinking, you know, I really want to keep this beautiful little baby boy, but I don't know what to do with him. And he's starting to cry, and he's hungry. I don't know how to take care of him. And about that time, brave little Miriam comes up and she says, Princess, would you like for me to find a Hebrew woman who can nurse this baby for you? And the princess says, would you really? That is a great idea. And if you will do that, I will pay a salary to the woman who nurses this child for me. So... Moses' own mother gets to have her baby back and she gets to nurse him and she gets to take care of him and she gets paid a salary for doing it. This brings me to the first thing I want us to think about when it comes to expectations and that is this. With God, we should expect the unexpected because God works in mischievous ways. Now, I know, I know, maybe you're thinking, you said that wrong, preacher. God moves in mysterious ways. That's what the old hymn says. There's an old 18th century hymn written by William Cooper. And the first line of the hymn says, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. It's a great hymn. And it's true. But I like the way that my seminary teacher, uh, Dr. Roberta Bonda, used to say it. And she would say it with a twinkle in her eye. And she would say, God moves in mischievous ways. Always, almost always, unexpected. Back to Moses. See, he was nurtured and he was nursed by his real mother until the time that he was weaned. He was probably about three years old or so. I wonder if Moses expected what every three-year-old expects, and that is something like this. They expect to have their mommy around forever. But Moses doesn't get that. He is sent to live in the Pharaoh's palace. He is sent to be the son of the princess, and that's how he grew up. Moses grew up being a prince of Egypt. 
But even though he grew up being a prince of Egypt, he always knew where he came from. He always knew who his people were. And one day, when he was a grown man, he was out observing the people and the forced labor that they were having to do. And he saw an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave. And the scripture said that he looked around to see that nobody was watching. And if you've ever watched one of those crime shows, you know that since he looked around to see no one was watching, uh, that makes it uh, premeditated, right? So he looks around to see that nobody is watching, and he kills the Egyptian, and he buries the body in the sand. Boom. First-degree murder, right? But he thinks nobody has seen his crime, and he goes out the next day, and he sees two fellow Hebrews who are arguing with each other and Moses steps in between them and he says hey guys y'all are brothers you shouldn't be fighting like this and one of them says who made you the boss of us Mr. Fancy Pants what are you going to do are you going to kill us and bury our bodies in the sand like you did that Egyptian yesterday and Moses thought oh snap I thought I got away with that I thought nobody knew. And so Moses had to run for his life. All right, so let's just stop here. Let's just stop here and think about Moses' expectation this far in his life. He expected to get to grow up with his biological family. That didn't happen. He expected to be a prince of Egypt, to remain a prince of Egypt that didn't work out for him either. He's running for his life. He never expected to have to do that. Moses just may be learning something that all of us need to learn when it comes to resetting our expectations. And that is this. With God, we need to expect the unexpected. Because God works in mischievous ways. So Moses runs to Midian on the backside of nowhere. And he comes up to a well, and he meets the seven daughters of Jethro at this well. They're trying to water their flock, and Moses helps them out, right? He drives away some hooligans that are trying to keep the women from watering the flock, and so he's kind of the hero. The sisters all run back to tell their father Jethro that this tall, dark, handsome man who looks like Charlton Heston has helped them... Um, water their flocks and Jethro said well did you just leave him there bring him home to dinner so they brought him home to dinner and they all hit it off Jethro offers him one of his daughters as a wife Moses marries Zipporah and settles into the life of a shepherd Moses is about 40 years old at this time Moses works as a shepherd for his father-in-law Jethro. Moses and Zipporah have a couple of sons. And for 40 years, for 40 years, Moses works with the flocks. He moves them from pasture to pasture to try to find food for them in the springtime and in the summertime when the grass dries out to find the best places for them to eat. He he sleeps at home when he can. He sleeps out under the stars with his flocks when he can't. He worked the same job for 40 years. 
He worked it so much that he could do it with his eyes closed. So now he's about 80 years old, right? And what do you think his expectations were at 80 years old after doing this work of a shepherd for 40 years? I don't know, maybe retirement. But Moses' expectations are going to change again because with God, we have to expect the what? The unexpected. Moses is out with his flock one day, and he sees a bush that's burning. It's on fire, but it's not burning up. And he says to himself, i got to check this out. And when he approaches the burning bush, Moses discovers that he is walking on holy ground. He has to take his sandals off because God speaks to him from the bush. And God reminds Moses who he is. He reminds him that I'm the God of your Fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I am the God who sees my people in misery in Egypt. I see them. I have, I've heard their cries. I know their suffering. And I've come down to deliver them. All right. Pause in the story. At this point, what do you think Moses is expecting right now? I think maybe he is thinking... This is great, God. It's about time. I've been thinking about this for 40 years. Every night when I was laying out there under the stars taking care of the sheep, I was thinking about my people back in Egypt that something needs to be done. Something needs to take place. This is, this is terrible. This is unjust. Some changes need to be made. But Moses does not expect what God is going to say next because God says this. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh. I'll send you to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Wow. 80-year-old Moses didn't see that one coming. Because he says, who am I? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? That's a fair question. Who am I to go to Pharaoh and ask him to let my people go? And God says, this is who you are, Moses. I will be with you. That's who you are. Which is all the answer really any of us needs when God wants us to do something. I will be with you. And Moses says, what am I supposed to tell the Israelites if I tell them that God has sent me to deliver them? And they say, which God are you talking about? What's his name? What am I supposed to tell them your name is, God? And God says, I am who I am. I want you to tell them, I am has sent you. I am? What kind of name is I am? Well, here's something interesting. The Hebrew word I am is the same word that God used in verse 12 when God told Moses, I will be with you. And so basically God's name, God's unchanging character is this. I am, I will be, and I always have been. Maybe it's best described in Revelation 1-4. That God is the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Everything else might be changing. And that's the second thing that I want to say about expectations is this. 
God is the great I am. Everything else can and will change. God is the great I am, but everything else. Everything else is going to change. I know we don't want to hear that. I know. I don't like to hear that. I don't like to hear that everything is going to change. I don't like to think about getting older, and yet here I am. I don't like to think about kids growing up and moving out of the house, and yet they do. I don't like to think about family and friends that I love passing away from this life into the next, and yet they do, and I miss them. I get lonely. I work a job and I get used to it and then I have to change or retire. Or how about this? Everything is rocking along. You know, I have plans. Uh, maybe I went to um, Office Depot or somewhere and I got a real cool 2020 planner. It's got all of these different things. You can highlight and make all these plans Everything I'm going to do in 2020. And then COVID-19 hits. Nobody expected this. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody, we have never seen anybody. Nobody alive today has ever seen anything quite like this. Oh, yeah, we've had a couple of recessions. We had some war and 9-11. We've had weather disasters. But 2020, let's be honest, is not what we expected, any of us. And yet, God is still the great I am, who is and was and will evermore be. Everything else can and will change. We sometimes unrealistically expect to know all the answers we sometimes expect unrealistically to have a handle on everything to be in control of everything and we sometimes expect unrealistically for God to tie everything up in a nice neat bow for us but remember God is the God of the unexpected and instead of a period which we want God to do, God is just as liable to put dot, 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 question mark. Why? Because God is God, and we're not. God is the great I am. We're not supposed to know everything. That's God's job. Maybe what we need to do is reset our expectations to start remembering to expect the unexpected because God does work in mischievous ways. Maybe we should reset our expectations to remember that God will always be God and the great I am, but to know that everything else can and will change. So what can we expect from God? What can we realistically expect from God? Can we expect from God that if we are basically good people and we do our best, that we'll never have to face hardship? Can we expect that? Well, no. If that's our expectation, if that's our expectation, we're going to have a life that's filled with resentment 
and disappointment. And we're going to have to reset if that's what we expect. George Matheson was a young seminary student in Scotland years ago. And he was really excited about being a minister. And he, he would lay on his bed at night and dream about uh, the beautiful cathedrals that he would serve. He was engaged to uh, a woman that he loved very much. And he dreamed of their life together. Everything seemed to be going great for George. And then tragically, he lost his vision. His fiance couldn't handle it and she left him. She broke off the engagement and left him. And instead of doing well in his seminary and moving off to serve at a great cathedral somewhere, he struggled to finish his education and he was assigned a small rural parish none of his life was going as he expected it now George would have had every reason to be bitter and resentful but instead he took up hymn writing and he wrote one of the most beautiful and one of the most meaningful hymns in our hymnal a love that will not let me go what can we expect from God? We can expect from God a love that will not let us go. The unexpected. We can expect mysterious, mischievous ways. We can expect for God to always be the love that will not let us go, though. And I really want to finish with this. I love the third verse in George Matheson's beautiful hymn, and I'm going to close by reading this to you. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain that morn shall tearless be. Let us pray. Lord, there's not a single one of us who's not had to reset our expectations over and over again this year. But it's a reminder. Lord, when we read the story of the life of Moses, we know that we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones who think we have a handle on thing, things only to realize that we didn't. To think that we have it all figured out only to realize there's so much we don't know. But one thing we do know is that you have been and that you are and that you will evermore be the great I am who does not change. And that you are the love that will not let us go. And that you will be with us come what may. Amen.
right, as we move forward into an uncertain future, we can surrender all to God because God never changes. We can even surrender our expectations. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.